so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Mm. Mm, we just say Amen. We say Amen. We thank you, Lord, for such a profound time of worship. I feel a sense of the Holy Spirit tangibly upon this place, and I pray that uh, you feel that same sense in your homes as you gather there. Mm. I just want to abide in your presence for a moment. Mm. Just as Carl continues to play for a moment, let's... Just take a moment. The world has been and continues to be such a crazy place right now. So let's just take this moment in his presence to abide. I don't know about you, uh, but I'm just so tired. Not physically, I slept well, but I'm just mentally tired. And scripture says when we wait on Him, He renews our strength. So before we rush ahead, let's just wait on Him. Father, as we take this moment and as we come in a moment to your word, I pray that you would still our hearts before you. That you would refresh us in this moment. That you would restore hope. That you would restore peace. That you would restore joy. That you would restore purpose in this moment. We pray this morning that we would not take for granted your word. But that we would come to it as ones hungry for sustenance. Ones hungry for strength. And that we would receive all the nourishment that your word has for us this morning that we'd not leave to extend that metaphor a bit more that we'd not leave one bite on the plate this morning some of us need to diet on natural from natural food a bit more lord but we don't want to go on a spiritual diet this morning i pray that we'd be filled to overflowing with the goodness of your word in jesus name amen Amen. Uh, thank you so much, Carl. I just want to honour Carl before we do come to our Bible reading this morning. Uh, in this season, Carl's become a IT expert, a lighting expert, a streaming expert, a video expert. Uh, he's also became an air conditioning expert during the past week um, as we had to disconnect our power um, to get the new lights happening and that, for some reason, wipes our air conditioner's memory. Um, and I felt a little bit like that 
uh, over the past week, few weeks, so I can't uh, blame it. Um, but Carla's done so much, and Alex uh, as well, as she continues to get our communication happening and uh, supporting our church in that way. So I just want to honour them uh, this morning and thank you, Lord, for them uh, and uh, appreciate them for all that they've done. Um, we are going to have a Bible reading this morning. I encourage you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43. Uh, we no, don't have a video this morning. We've got something very special uh, to my heart. Uh, my son, the courageous Josiah, uh, is here and he's going to come and read for us this morning. Um, so Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 16 is where we're reading from uh, this morning. Uh, Morgan, uh, we just need to turn down the reverb, otherwise Josiah is going to sound very interesting this morning so there we go Josiah big voice this is what the Lord says he who made a way through the sea a path through the mighty waters who drew out the chariots and horses the army and reinforcements together and they lay there never to rise again extinguished snuffed out like a wick forget the former things do not dwell on the past see I'm doing a new thing now it springs up do you not perceive it I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Thank you, Josiah. What a man. I love you. Thank you. Brave boy. Uh, I must admit I'm a little bit emotional having, even though we weren't allowed to sing here, having some people with us in worship this morning. It's been hard. Uh, it's hard not to sing this morning uh, because I'm so encouraged to have some people here to worship with, but um, it's been hard, to be honest, to, to be here uh, disconnected in some sense, yet so connected uh, online with the church family. So I really appreciate uh, those who've joined us here this morning uh, as we do connect with all of you online. Um, it's such a joy to have my, my family here as well. Um, so we're starting a new series this morning uh, that we're calling Shaping the New Normal. Uh, so as restrictions are lifting, as we're heading back towards normal, uh, we're going to be discussing what, what should the new normal look like? What, what role do we have in shaping what normal looks like for me, for the church, for society? Uh, and so the question we're going to be exploring is, what should normal look like? Because the temptation is to rush back to the way it was before. But I, I, I want to ask, is that what we should be aiming for? Just because it's how we always knew things to be, it doesn't mean it's how it should be. And so we have this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, I certainly hope once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, uh, at least in this way, to rethink, to reshape what normal looks like. But what should normal look like? So that's what we're going to be exploring through this series. And I want to start with the thought of, I don't actually know. I don't have all the answers. This is going to be an exploration for us together. It's going to be a journey together and we will make mistakes. We will get things wrong. But the important thing is that we're actually asking this question. What should normal look like? And so this scripture that uh, Josiah read for us this morning, uh, I think is uh, a profound one for us. 
In Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, the second half of that reading, uh, the Lord says through the prophet Isaiah, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do, not, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And so in the context of this scripture, uh, God's people's history was disrupted by exile to Babylon. So the northern kingdom of Israel had been conquered and swept away by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians years later had, had conquered the southern kingdom of Judah uh, and, and conquered Jerusalem and tore down the temple and, and, and they'd been swept away. Their history had been disrupted in uh, what was a far more violent way than ours. But, but, but our history has been disrupted too. And so there's a temptation for God's people in Babylon to look back to how things were in the promised land. To, to remember the days where they could freely go up to the temple to worship. To remember the days where God's people could gather together in freedom, something that they couldn't do in Babylon. To remember the days where they weren't forced, down to, forced to bow down to the king of Babylon or, or to the false gods or thrown into lion's den. That's jumping forward a bit in history to the book of Daniel. But, but this scripture is speaking into that context prophetically. They could look back to a day where they had no fear of fiery furnace. But the thing is, when we look back, we always look back with rose-coloured glasses. See, things weren't all rosy in the promised land, and for Israel, that's why they ended up in Babylon. For Judah, that's why they ended up in Babylon. Their, their story was filled with apathy and idolatry. Uh, earlier in Isaiah, it talks about God's people honouring him with their lips. They were going through the motions of, of worship, but their hearts were far from him. But the temptation was to look back to those good old days and think, oh, if only we were back there. The, the first part of that reading in verses 16 and 17 that Josiah read for us uh, talk about... Uh, the exodus moment and, and the deliverance from Egypt and the, and the bringing of them into the promised land. He who made a way through the seas and passed through dry waters, it's talking about that, that crossing of the Red Sea moment when the waters opened up for Israel to march through and then they closed up over Israel's enemies, Egypt. So there's a temptation to look back to the good old days that perhaps weren't all that good. But there's also the temptation in exile to, to be looking back to the thing that God did all those years ago. In exile, looking back to Exodus. If only this was a season that God was doing those great things once more. Remember the Exodus? Wasn't, wouldn't that be good right now? And see, what, what we, we forget about what Israel potentially is forgetting about if they're looking to those former things, looking back not just to their time in uh, Israel, in the Promised Land, but looking back to the Exodus, they forget about how much, and it wasn't them, it was their ancestors, but how much grumbling happened during the Exodus. When in, they were in Egypt, they wanted to leave Egypt. When they were on, in the Exodus moment of leaving Egypt, they wanted to go back. When they are in the Promised Land, they didn't trust God, but they think, oh, yeah... Wasn't it great when we could go back and worship? And so we might be in that space. We might be thinking now as restrictions are starting to lift, oh, 
Wouldn't it be good if we could just go back to the pre-COVID promised land? Remember when we could all gather to worship freely. Remember when we could actually sing. I felt a little bit like it says in Jeremiah when I try and hold the Lord's word like a fire shut up in my bones. And um, each kind of change of verse this morning, I felt a little bit like that. That, oh, oh nope, no singing, that's right. And humming and, uh, and stuff like that or mouthing the words. But we might think, remember when we could sing passionately of our heart for God. Remember, you know, when we were together, when we felt such a a profound sense of God's presence. We could be thinking about the pre-COVID promised land. But some things about that normal weren't all that rosy as well. When I think about my pre-COVID normal, things that come to mind for me are busyness, stress, fear of making mistakes. Being overweight. It's still kind of my normal now, but <laughs> when I think about the church, there's so much I miss, and as I've said, it's so great to have some people here this morning, some faces. Uh, the camera's still there. I know you're still there. Uh, and it's great to though to have some people here as well. So there's so much that I miss about our old normal, but But even in the church, our old normal, just like Israel, we might think about, oh, wasn't it great where we could freely go up to worship and and sing our songs to him? But our old normal too was at least maybe not filled, but had at least a taste of some apathy and some honouring him with our lips, but our hearts were far from him. I I, I think that uh, in the online season, we've had much less people late for church, um, although that's hard to tell, but... We might look back to being able to freely go to worship, but when we could, we, we didn't always make it a point of prioritising it and creating margin around it. We didn't always go up, using that temporal imagery of going up to the temple to worship. And we've talked about being grateful for things that we perhaps took for granted before. I loved our old normal. But it's not necessarily the thing that we want to rush back to. In society, uh, plainly for us all to see portrayed across the world stage is that the old normal wasn't necessarily all that rosy either. In this season, injustice has been brought to the surface for us all to see. Inherent racism in many societies has been brought to the surface and we each need to confront that that what we thought was the story wasn't always the story. Not all experienced the benefits of what the old normal was. Uh, There was apathy, there was busyness. And and so I'm not saying, oh, the world was horrible before and it's the last place we want to go, but but this is an opportunity for us to see that not everything about our normal is something we should be seeking to go back to. And so into this situation for, for God's people, the prophet speaks the Lord's words and says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, see, I do a new thing. See, I'm doing a new thing. 
And so the immediate context of this is the end of exile. God is uh, proclaiming to his people that he's going to bring this exile to an end. That this season of been detached from the promised land is coming to an end. It's going to be over. The, the Jerusalem will be rebuilt. The temple will be restored. That in a sense there will be a return to the normal that they used to know, but, it, but it's not going to be the old normal, it's going to be a new normal. And so in the immediate context, that's what God is speaking about. But in the bigger picture, he's looking beyond, as he says, Behold, or see, I do a new thing. He's looking beyond the end of the exile to the coming of Jesus and ultimately the Holy Spirit on all flesh. In the first few verses of Isaiah chapter 4, this thought is continued. Chapter 44, yep, this thought is continued. But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I've chosen. This is what the Lord says, He who made you who formed you in the womb and who will help you. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, Jerusalem, whom I have chosen. For I will pour out water on thirsty land and streams on dry land. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in the meadows, like poplar trees by flowing streams. Some will say, I belong to the Lord, and others will call themselves by the name of Jacob. Still others will write on their hand, the Lord's, and will take the name of Israel. And so uh, the prophet speaking the words of the Lord is saying, yes, this exile is going to come to an end. There's going to be a new thing. Don't look back to the rosy, rose-colored glasses days of being in Israel. Don't look back to the Exodus and think, wouldn't it be great if God did something similar? He says, behold, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to deliver you from this into a new normal. But he's saying it's bigger than that. There's going to be one who comes. There's going to be Jesus. He's going to be the Savior. And I'm going to pour out the Spirit on all flesh. And people who are outside of Israel are going to come in and they're going to put on themselves their hands, the Lord's. They're going to come into a belonging with the Lord. And the new normal is going to be so much bigger and better and glorious than the old normal. And so God says, don't look back. Don't look back. Don't dwell on the past. And so this speaks a powerful word, I believe, into our context. Though we're not exiled in Babylon, though we are not uh, immediately the recipients, original recipients of this word, I think it speaks a powerful word to us. Don't dwell on how things used to be. Now, I've sought to bring to the surface some things that perhaps weren't all good, but, but it wasn't all bad. There was good, there was bad, there was ugly, to use the phrase that Steve used last week. If you haven't um, participated in Steve's message from last week, it's online uh, on the YouTube channel, on our Facebook page. It was his best message, I believe, so I really encourage you, if you haven't, to connect with that. There was good, there was bad, there was ugly in our old normal. Don't dwell on how it used to be. Like Israel, our, our history has been disrupted. Our normal has been disrupted. And so it's not something we want to waste. It's not an opportunity we want to waste. And, and so the key imperative, the key instruction here, well, firstly, is to forget the old things, but the key emphasis is see. Or in some translations, that word's translated behold. It, it means to pay attention. It means to take 
notice. It, it means to open our eyes up. And so what this is talking about is not complete amnesia about the past. It's not saying never ever think about the past, never look back to it, never learn from it. It's true to say if we forget our history, then our history will repeat ourselves and that's not always a good thing. It's not talking about complete amnesia. It's saying the past is not where your future lies. And so in this season, as we go through this series, as restrictions have been, been begun to be lifted and changed, and um, I don't know about you, but I don't know uh, how to plan more than a few days ahead because um, the restrictions keep changing, but at least now they're heading in the right direction for us together. But so what we're going to do in this season is it's going to take some time to see, to behold to take note of what kind of normal, what kind of new thing, what kind of new season the Lord wants to lead us into. And so I encourage you to be praying. You know, our theme for this year is abide. Our, our vision for this year was to be a year that we, we learn in a deeper way to abide in Jesus. And so I encourage you to, to continue to press into that, to abide in Jesus so that we might see what does normal look like through Jesus' eyes. To listen. And Jesus says, his sheep know his voice. And we're also seeking feedback. And so if you get our bulletins, uh, you'll already have the link um, in the email bulletin to a survey uh, that we're seeking your input. Uh, we're going to put that up on Facebook. That's going to get out more and more. And so whether you were a, a regular attender when we used to be able to all come here or whether you've joined us online uh, since then, we, we really want to hear your voice about what the new normal might look like. So we really encourage you to engage with that as we seek a new normal, as we seek to shape a new normal. Uh, in the time that we've got less, uh, left, I, I want to share uh, just one metaphor which I think is going to be profound uh, in our season of uh, seeking to shape this new normal, and that's the imagery of the potter and the clay. Uh, this is an image that comes up quite frequently in Isaiah and some of the other prophetic books. Uh, and even into the New Testament. But uh, perhaps the most succinct place that shows up is in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. The prophet says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hands. And so as we think about shaping the new normal, as we think about what that might look like, I want us to, to have this metaphor, this imagery in our mind. The Lord is the potter. We are the clay. The Lord is the potter. We are the clay. And so the, the key to that metaphor is that the potter shapes the clay, not the other way around. See, so often we, we try and create God in our image. We try and imagine what we want God to be and who we want him to be and what God likes and what God loves and, 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 and what God would think about things. We shape God in our image and that's, that's, to put it bluntly, idolatry. That's what idolatry is all about, is fashioning a God in the image of what we want a God to be. 
And so then our, our understanding of what normal should look like is shaped by the thing that we shaped in our own mind and it just creates this circle of reinforcing the way that we think normal should be. To steal a line from Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? How's that working for us? How's that working for our planet? I, I want to suggest there's, there's perhaps a better way. So the key to this metaphor is understanding that I am shaped by God. The clay has no impact on shaping the potter, but the potter shapes everything about the clay. But it's our tendency, it's our tendency even way back thousands of years ago in the time of Isaiah as humans to resist the shaping that God wants to do in our lives. So in Isaiah chapter 29 verse 16, God through the prophet says to his people, you turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? And so often we want to say to the God who formed our very being, I'm good things. I, I, I will be the one who will determine what shape I take. God, you, you don't know what my life is like. You don't know what shape I need to be. We have a human tendency to resist the potter's shaping. In Isaiah 45 verse 9, again, um, just a chapter after this uh, new thing that God proclaims. No, a couple chapters, sorry. The prophet again says, Woe to those who quarrel with their maker, those who are nothing but pot shards, among the pot shards on the ground. Does the clay say to the potter, What are you making? Does your work say, The potter has no hands? Again, there's this tendency for us to resist the way that God wants to shape us to resist the shape that he's making us into, but, but also to resist the things that he uses to shape us. Now, I don't believe that the coronavirus is a judgment sent by God upon the earth. I believe we live under a different covenant to what Israel did. But the way that God is shaping Israel here is not comfortable for them. And so I do believe it's still true, though, that God's judgment isn't poured out on the earth like that. He, he deals with us through Jesus and our faith in him. I do believe that sometimes some of the ways that God shapes us isn't all that comfortable. It's a little bit like being smushed. And so our tendency is not just to resist the shape, but to resist the means of our shaping. We think we know best. We think we know what works. We think we have answers, or we think we at least need to have all the answers. And so I want to suggest as we begin this journey, where I don't know where it's really going to go, but as we begin this journey of shaping the new normal, I want to suggest that it begins with allowing God to shape us. That might sound simple, but I want us to gloss over that truth. Shaping the new normal begins with allowing God to shape us. To shape the new normal for the church, I, I first must allow God to shape me. 
And I'm not just saying that because I'm the pastor and I will be shaped and then that flows on. I'm saying all of us, that is true of. To shape the new normal for our church, first we must let God shape each and every one of us. For the church to play its part in shaping a new normal for society, we must allow God to shape the church. If you need a New Testament scripture to pin that thought onto, which is always a good thing, let's flip to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Carl's eager. He's, he's, he's looming on me. I've still got a few, few more minutes left, Carl. I'm checking the time. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so it's not that we run out and think, here's the good works that we should be doing, this is what Christians should look like, this is what the church should look like. We're God's handiwork. And so we want to step into the good works that He has created in advance for us to do, then first we need to let Him do His handiwork on us. I'm not saying we sit around and wait before we do any good thing. It's not a sit and wait until you're perfect uh, sermon. It's a, a priority of letting him shape us first so that we can see what he's doing in and through us. As we shape the new normal, we, we need to first allow God to shape us. But it actually goes a little bit deeper than that. In Jeremiah chapter 18, a prophet, the very next book of our Bibles, a prophet who followed on in history uh, after um, Isaiah, also spoke of this imagery of the potter. Um, so I'm going to actually read a few more verses than what I've got on the screen behind me, but uh, this is speaking about shaping, but it goes a little bit deeper. In Isaiah, uh, sorry, Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1, we begin to read, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best for him. to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do this with you? Can I not do with you, Israel, as the potter does? Declares the Lord. Like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. And so this is another example of that imagery of, of God shaping his people like a potter. But, but the point that it goes deeper out, what I want us to grab here is this is not just a shaping, it's a reshaping. That might seem pedantic at first, but I want to suggest that it's a deeper work. Because shaping our new normal doesn't just look like allowing God to shape us from scratch, but allowing Him to reshape us. Reshaping is a deeper work because it involves undoing the things that are misshapen in us. It means acknowledging that we are not a blank piece of clay but we already have a shape and some of those aspects of us are beautiful and Christ-like and glorifying to him and, and some of them aren't 
And so it means letting go of the shape that we're comfortable with. It means letting go of the shape that I'm comfortable with. I'm, I'm happy to let go of this region of my shape. Um, that's not so comfortable. But in seriousness, it means letting go of the shape of our lives that we're comfortable with. It means letting go of the shape of our church that we're comfortable with. It means letting go of some of the structures and systems of our society, perhaps, that we're comfortable with. It means letting go of the stories about ourselves and about the world that we're used to, that we think are normal. And allowing God not just to shape us, but to remould us and reshape us, to squish us and press us and guide us into the shape that He has for us. Amen. And, and so shaping the new normal begins with allowing God to reshape me. It begins with allowing God to reshape you, to reshape the church, to reshape our friendships, to reshape our communities, to reshape what being single might look like for us, to reshape what being married looks like for us, to reshape what living in Yas looks like, to reshape what our faith might look like, to reshape what our worship might look like. It's a, it's a process of coming to God and acknowledging that, that we have a shape and inviting Him to continue to mould us. Now, I've shared that in a way that, that is intentionally challenging, but here's the beautiful thing about this. No matter how misshapen our lives become, God is able to reshape us according to His plans and purpose. I, I, I want us all to capture that. Because some of us feel like we're so out of shape, and I'm not talking physically now. Some of us feel like we're so spiritually out of shape. Some of us feel like we're so socially out of shape. We, we feel like we're so mentally out of shape that we think, oh, I'm a lost cause. Throw me in the scrap heap and get a new piece of clay going. And so this is a challenging word, it's an encouraging word, it's a word of hope because God is able to reshape you no matter how misshapen you might think you are, He's able to reshape you according to His purpose. He's able to reshape you according to the glorious image of His Son, Jesus Christ. God is able to make you a new creation. This is in fact the message of the Gospel. Another New Testament scripture to finish with. You can come now, Carl. I'm ready. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this is uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. The message of the gospel is, no matter how misshapen your life is, that God already sees you as a new creation. That reshaping has already been accomplished through Jesus and, and our lives are in a process where the Holy Spirit is conforming us to that shape, the glorious image of Jesus Christ. No matter how misshapen you are, no matter how broken our concept of normal may have been, 
No matter how beautiful aspects of it were and no matter how beautiful aspects of you are. The message of the gospel is that God can reshape us if we allow him to. If we don't resist the potter, if we acknowledge that we are the clay, he is the potter. That he knows best. He knows the best shape for us to take. He knows the best form for us to conform to. Then we're never too far gone. And so what does it all end up looking like for you, for me, for the church, for the world? I don't know. But we're going to go on a journey together of exploring what that might look like over the coming weeks. We're going to go to scripture and allow God's voice to mould us and shape us. But, but I don't know. I'm not the potter. Neither are you. He is. But what I want to encourage us to do is to not waste this opportunity to have God shape a new normal through us. To not look to the past, but to hear, to see, to behold the possibility for a new normal. And to be reshaped together. I'm going to pray. And invite you to pray with me. I'm simply invite the master potter, the master craftsperson, to continue his handiwork in us. To Shape us. Journey for us to repent. To turn over the shape that we've taken. To turn over our resistance to Him. And so, Father, we come before you now. And we declare simply that you are the potter. We are the clay. We are your handiwork. You are our maker. And you know the shape we should take. You know the shape I should take. And so I repent, Lord, and we repent this morning of trying to take our own shape. Of thinking that we know best. And we invite you to come and shape us. Come and shape me, come and shape this church, family. Use us as an instrument of shaping this town, this valley, this world. Let us be a part of reshaping the new normal to be one that glorifies you. We pray that in the Yas Valley, many would come to know you as their Lord and as the potter of their life. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.